The number one cause of death for people living with diabetes is heart disease. The amount of deaths from autoimmune disease in general is actually higher than heart disease, cancer, diabetes. But stress itself is what we need to learn, to balance, to manage. Otherwise, we will die from the consequences of stress. There are other methods for healing or in healthcare than just what we've been taught or programmed. What if we restored mitochondrial function? They don't care at all what happens to your quality of life. So we're talking about the diet style that's most favorably designed to slow the aging process, prevent disease, prevent cancer and dementia and also reverse disease. How do we create spaciousness for ourselves? Every step you take, you go, you evolve. You go, you evolve, you expand your consciousness. You expand your consciousness, you develop more internal power, you become more available, you become more ready. Life then, God gives you more. If you are seeking greater health, wealth, and happiness, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the number one holistic health podcast in the world. Now, here's your host, best-selling author, inspirational speaker, and award-winning documentary filmmaker and health researcher, Nathan Crane. Welcome to the podcast. So excited uh, for all of you tuning in here. This is a really special episode with a dear friend and colleague, Dr. Dana Flavin. I've gotten to um, learn from her, collaborate with her, um, and really help a lot of people dealing with cancer over the last few years together as we have produced coaching programs together. Um, I've interviewed her multiple times on multiple programs, and what I can tell you is not only is she one of the most loving and caring and genuinely good-hearted human beings that deeply cares about humanity, uh, but is one of the most prolific researchers um, and medical doctors that you will ever meet. Her background is incredibly fascinating. And in this episode, we're going to talk about everything from nutrition for anti-aging and longevity to disease prevention to cancer healing. Uh, we may even get into you know diabetes and other chronic disease correlations and what you can do to live your healthiest and most vital life possible using natural methods. That's really um, her specialty is, is natural methodology and integrative methodology, often using off-label drugs that people don't even realize have low toxicity in combination with natural therapies to see incredible results for even reversing stage four cancer patients. So let me introduce her and then we'll, we'll bring her on. Uh, Dr. Dana Flavin uh, received her first degrees in psychology and chemistry from Loyola University in 1972. Then she began graduate school in pharmacology uh, after four years and part one of her medical board, she was approved the science assistant to the associate bureau director for toxicology at the FDA in Washington, D.C. During that time, she researched the molecular biology of cancer and tumor promotion, investigating the application of translational medicine into potential therapies for cancer. She was then appointed science advisor to the president of the Nutrition Foundation and began graduate studies at Howard University in nutrient biochemistry under the Department of Nutrition. She was then uh, summa cum laude in nutrition. She moved to Germany, began her studies in medicine for completion of her MD degree in Austria and has, I think, four decades now of, of research and experience in nutritional biochemistry and everything to do with 
healing chronic diseases. She's a published scientist. She has come up with um, breakthrough therapies that the world needs to know for multiple chronic diseases. And uh, we'll get to dive into a lot of that in this episode. So stay tuned for the whole thing. We're going to cover a lot of good information. Dr. Flavin, thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. It's an honor. Yeah, I mean, God, you have saved so many lives in the world. It's incredible. Well, we're doing it together. You've been doing it much longer than I have. And um, I always love connecting with you, talking with you, learning from you, helping get your wisdom and, and information and experience out to a lot more people who need to know about this. I mean, I know you're so passionate, as we both are, in helping save lives and empower people through education and real solutions that empower them to take control of their health. So, you know, I'd love to start with some of your cancer case studies. I know you've had a lot of great success with even stage four cancers where they were therapied out. Conventional medicine said there's nothing else we can do for you. Go home and die. Somehow they find you. And within a fairly short period of time, through all kinds of therapeutic interventions, um, nutraceuticals, lifestyle changes, diet, supplementation, you know, these stage four cancers go into remission, which by Western medical conventional terminology, they would just call it luck or they would call it a spontaneous remission. But through your experience right. and through mine, um, we know that it's not spontaneous at all. It's intentional remission. So right. can you start by sharing maybe one or two just, you know, um, shocking case studies that you think really stand out in your mind where you, you, you saw these people basically reclaim, reclaim their health in their life? Oh boy, where to start? So many of them. Um, I've had the stage four lung cancer and the stage four breast cancer. I think probably one of the most um, impressive was the stage four colon cancer, where the patient had tumors all the way up and down his spine. He was only 36 years of age. And um, they sent him home to die. He couldn't even walk, couldn't even go to the bathroom. I mean, it was just he had to lie in this this uh, long chair. Uh, and his his girlfriend, uh, who was uh, who is from South America, she nursed him back to health on everything that I told her to give him. And I just got a note from them on WhatsApp the other day that he's just had his third year checkup with complete remission. It's been in remission for three years. It took almost a year to get rid of all of it. And that was one of the toughest cases because it took so long. The, the breast cancer patient who was sent home and told she had 12 weeks to live, she was in remission in 10 weeks. So it depends on the different cancers and the types of cancers. But boy, this is, I'm always finding something new. And there's there's always something that, but when I find something new, I have to make sure how effective is it and can I use it instead of something else or do I have to add it to the regime? Because I don't want the patient so um, exhausted on 50,000 nutrients. It's a lot anyway. And I'm hoping in the future that we can actually utilize physics to reverse cancers because there's a compound that um, releases a frequency and they've tested it at Harvard and they've tested it at Northwestern, um, but they haven't looked for the frequency. They only looked at the substance. And so I'm trying to see if we can get the frequency to see will this or will this not um, help patients also to go into remission faster 
and stay there longer. So that's something that I'm working on now in physics, but it's it's really complicated. It's it, that the physics isn't complicated. Trying to get the material is <laughs> because it's it's actually from a fetal pig bladder. And the fetal pig bladder has probably a choreogonadotropic hormone. There's two of them. One of them will inhibit cancer. That's already been published. Um, and this is why when some women are pregnant and they have a cancer, um, they, the, the cancer doesn't develop until the baby's born. And we think that that's because of the choreogonadotropic hormone that the mother's releasing, and it keeps these patients in remission. So we're looking at at um, ways of applying this. There is there's publications on this already, but for some reason they have not put it out on the market. And I think it has to do with does it, is it more profitable or not? Do you see what I mean? And a lot of these things that are helpful in cancer, if they're not profitable for a big company or if they're not patentable, then nobody seems to be interested. And I, on the other hand, I don't care if it makes anybody money or not. It That's not the point. The point is helping the patients to get into remission. So, you know, if it's an inexpensive drug that can help to get them into remission, great. If it's, if it's a dog antiparasitic drug, I don't care. If it's for a horse, I don't care. What we do is we look at, we look at the mechanisms. So the most important thing for me are the mechanisms. How is it working? Where is it working? Why is it working? And what are most important? Well, and when you used to work for the FDA, did you did did you see this revolving door between, you know, FDA executives and pharmaceutical executives, how, you know, someone steps down from the FDA and then they join the pharmaceutical companies and vice versa and this monetary exchange that happens, this kind of laxative approach to regulation. Did you notice anything like that when you were working there or or what are your thoughts on that? Well, when I was working there, because it was many years ago, it was not as bad. But we we do know that some of the directors for the Bureau of Drugs um, did actually end up going with pharmaceutical companies. Now, as far as the um, interaction and 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 really revolving door, it wasn't as as common then, and it wasn't something that that we really noticed. I mean, this was something that when I when I left FDA, for example, I did do some research for some drug companies, but I was only doing outside research. And when I was at FDA, I was researching out for a book on cancer that I always tell my patients, if, if you can't go to sleep at night, then pick up the first page, you'll be out like a light because it's all chemistry. And the thing is, and, and so I, I need to work on more things now for the lay public. And this is where what you're doing, you're helping tremendously in order to be able to incorporate all the different areas. But when I was at FDA, it was not, it wasn't as um, corrupt, shall we say, not to say that it's corrupt, but there are hints of this quite a bit. And uh, it seems to me that what we're seeing now in government agencies and so on, especially government health agencies, that they're kind of looking the other way. And we look at EPA and we look at environmental things and we see, well, wait a minute, what, what's coming down in the rain? What's, what's in, the, in, the, in the air? What, what are we finding in our foods? What kind of, uh, you know, what uh, um, pesticides are allowed? How dangerous are they? Uh, what about the water? What about, I mean, there's just so much going on. I, I feel like that the entire universe is contaminated 
or at least the northern hemisphere, is completely contaminated by um, pesticides and um, um, you know by all sorts of of chemicals that are getting into our foods and into our water and everything else. And this is what what we're seeing everywhere. We're seeing this time and time again. Um, plus the foods are contaminated. So we're even the other day I just saw there were a lot of heavy metals in even the the fruit juices. So, you know, this is something where, and then you've got the fruit juices coming from, um, let's say, oranges or lemons that have been sprayed. And so you're getting, you're getting those things into the juices too. So I, I don't know where to begin to clean up the entire planet. I don't know where to begin to clean up the food. We try organic, but then I was informed that if it says USDA organic, it does not necessarily mean that it's 100% organic. It could be that it coming, it's coming from a farm where they have one small area that's organic, but the rest are allowed to say this. And this is what a baker told me down in Florida, and he said he was a German baker, and he said, you know, when it says USDA organic, it doesn't mean it's all organic. And I'm like, what? What? You know, you're kidding me. Well, they do. Yeah, the organic does allow some kind of what they consider like natural pesticides into the growing, right? Um, I have looked heavily into what does it take. And I've talked to a lot of farmers who grow organic, USDA organic. And I mean, the regulations, the stipulations are actually quite strong from what I've seen. Um, you know, they do get the soil tested. They do get the, you know, plants tested and, and it's not every farmer every year all the time, but it does happen quite right. often. Some farmers are probably getting away with stuff, but it is pretty, it is a pretty stringent thing to get USDA organic. Like if I want to start a supplement, I've looked into that and there's, there's, you know, every ingredient in that supplement has to be, the supplement has to be 99 or 95 plus percent organic and they all have to be certified organic ingredients and that goes all the way right. down to the farm and they have to pay the $5,000 a year and they have to prove that the soil is organic. So, you know, when I, when I look at organic or non-organic and if I'm looking at, hey, I can reduce my toxic burden on my body by 95%, I might still get 5% chemicals from the food, but I'm getting 95% of them out of my food. Absolutely, I'm going to choose that, right? Because I know oh, I the agree. toxic burden on the body is going to lead to cancer and neurodegenerative disease and Alzheimer's and other kinds of chronic inflammatory diseases, right? right. Um, so, so, yeah, it's like, well, I mean, that's kind of that, – that's at least where, where I've come to in my mind. Well, yeah, you might get a few chemicals, but you probably saw – I think this was in the UK, actually. Um, there was a study that was done. It might have been in London. I can't remember where, but they took a family and they, you know um, – uh, had them on a conventional diet, and then they checked the chemical levels. I believe it was in their urine. I can't remember if it was blood and urine. So they checked chemical levels, and they found you know dozens of chemicals. And then all they changed was they switched them to a 100% organic diet, and then they saw right. like something like 90% plus of all those chemicals no longer were were in their urine and or in their blood. And and that right. was, and that happened in like a few days, right? And so. To be like, right. hey, we can get all these pesticides and fungicides and herbicides and, and chemicals, uh, heavy metals, body. things out of the body. It's it's really going to help us, isn't it? Yeah, you know who told me about that study? David Wilson, who used to run Dutchy Farms for Prince Charles. And um, they had some of the best organic stuff going. And this was amazing for me because I saw that and, and, and he, he sent me the article. And the thing is to know that we can turn this around and then increase our, our immune system and our health, et cetera. That's, that's half the battle 
in reversing a cancer. I've seen patients that were, okay, therapied out. They weren't under my care. I just read about them through colleagues and they, they changed their lifestyle. They went on organic foods. They went on um, plant-based. Um, they started exercising and their, their stage four prostate cancers disappeared, stage four breast cancer. I mean, you, you can't make this stuff up. It's, it's even the colleagues are telling me this. The oncologist is saying, wow, I couldn't believe it. The guy went home and he decided he was going to start exercising and change his lifestyle and change his diet. And now he's cancer free. And I'm like, wow, this is not rocket science. It is basic protecting our bodies from from poisons and toxins and getting our optimal health back. Hey, I just want to take a quick second and thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you're enjoying it so far. As a special thank you for tuning into this episode, I want to give you my number one Amazon best-selling book, absolutely free. You can go download it right now at becomingcancerfree.com. If you want to learn evidence-based strategies for helping your body become a cancer-fighting machine for not only cancer reversal but cancer prevention, go grab a copy of the book. Again, I'm just giving it to you for free. You can go download it at becomingcancerfree.com. All right, let's get back to the show. I want to get into more of that with you and some of your kind of protocols and therapeutic approaches um, in a minute. I want to go back to kind of the this conversation around so people understand this connection between the FDA and the pharmaceutical companies because I think it's really important, right, where the FDA is supposed to regulate the drug companies. They are the main governmental, at least in the United States, the main governmental regulatory body of pharmaceuticals. And yet, a large portion, I've read up to 75%, I'm not sure if that's 100% accurate or not, but a very large portion in 2022 was $1.1 billion of the FDA's funding comes from the pharmaceutical companies, right? So let's just imagine for a moment, you know, I made children's toys and there was a there was a government organization that was meant to regulate the safety of these children's toys. But me as the, the corporations that made the toys were paying for all of the funding or majority of the funding for the regulators. And, and then that funding is required for them to, to then regulate these toys. Right. Don't you see a conflict of interest there? <laughs> Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Before I joined um, FDA, I actually um, uh, sold all my stocks. I had stocks in all sorts of different drug companies, and I I sold everything because I felt that it was unethical. Nobody told me I had to do this, but I Mm. did it because I felt it was unethical. And then people, people said to me 20 years later, what are you crazy? You could have kept that from this company or that company and made a fortune. And I'm like, no, 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 it's, it's not about money. It's, it's about responsibility. And I took an oath to protect the American public. And the thing is what I'm seeing between the lobbyists that are going in the support from the, from the, uh, from many of these companies, in doing studies like at the National Cancer Institute and paying for all of the researchers and then paying for this and paying for that. And it's, it's, it's all this flow of money to get their agenda going and get whatever their product is approved. And the thing, we've seen this before where certain drug companies had compounds out um, and then it turned out that it was toxic, but they waited until they had so many lawsuits that they finally had to ban it 
Um, but they waited beforehand. And even though people were being injured by it, and this is this is horrible. I shan't mention any names, but I mean, this is something that I've seen. And it was like, oh, well, we're still making a couple of billion dollars on it until until this goes to court and then we have to drop it. But until then, we'll make billions of dollars. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not only unethical, this is this is absolutely the, the rape of the public. Exactly. Well, for those who are watching, um, this is from the violation tracker. Uh, you can find this online. Can you see my screen? Yep. So look at the top 10 major pharmaceutical companies from Johnson Johnson to Pfizer to Merck, GlaxoSmithKline. Look at the right. number of penalties that they have been fined for criminal conduct. And look how many records each of them have. Johnson & Johnson, 78 penalties totaling $24 billion. Pfizer, 96 penalties totaling $10 billion. Merck, $10 billion, $582 million, 83 penalties. On and on and on and on. These are penalties. These are lawsuits. These are cases. These are um, different situations that have happened. Everything from Jesus lying about... The straight up lying. I mean, these are the, you can find these federal documented court cases where they were convicted of criminal behavior, lying about certain drugs, lying about studies about certain drugs, um, kickbacks, paying uh, um, pharmaceutical reps, paying doctors, all kinds of criminal criminal activity that these companies mm -hmm. are not allowed to do, and. They go to court. They get, they get uh, convicted. They become criminal organizations. They pay these multi-billion-dollar fines, and then guess what happens? They say, "Oh, go Nothing. make some more drugs. Keep making your drugs. Right. Just don't make that one anymore. Make more. Lie about more studies." Obviously, they're not saying about it, but they're just, it's a slap on the wrist for these companies. It's That's called the great. cost of doing business. They put this amount of money aside. For the, for, for the fines they know they're going to have to pay and for their legal fees. But guess what? The United States government is getting all this money. The FDA is getting all their money. The regulatory agencies are getting all their money. The pharmaceutical companies are getting all their money. The American people and the public around the world are the ones who are dying from these drugs. Vioxx killed 50,000 people before it was taken oh off the market. I mean, can you imagine? And this is not – there's no conspiracy here. This is all proven fact – all public record. Can you imagine putting out a supplement that killed 10 people and allowed to keep selling that supplement? It would, it, I mean, it, you would be in prison for the rest of your life. This and makes they, they put the out mafia a drug look killed, tame. It makes the mafia look tame. They put out a drug that killed 50,000 people and they get fined and they get a slap on the wrist and they say, hey, don't make that drug, but keep making other drugs. You know, it's right. it's insane. And the fact that people still trust these drug companies is what blows my mind. That's what blows right. my mind more than anything. Right. Right. Now, I, I hear you loud and clear. In fact, the thing is that this is this is one of the other reasons that uh, as a pharmacologist, you know, with with me, with four or five years of pharmacology, plus I took an oath at FDA to protect the American public. And I remember the secretary saying to me, why do you always have to 
um, give a reference. And I said, Gloria, if I sneeze, I have to give a reference. I'm responsible for the American public. This I took seriously. Of course, my mother studied medicine. My dad was an oral surgeon. Um, Daddy would visit patients sometimes on the weekend before he would go off to to sail on his little sailboat um, in some sort of a race regatta. It was just starboats. And I remember my dad going to patients because he was worried about them. And this is something that you you just don't see anymore. It's like, you know, you just sign the piece of paper and hand it to the patient and they're happy because they've got a, some sort of a drug. I've got a fellow right now who's in Czech Republic and he, he's been damaged by statins. I didn't even know that statins would create an antibody against the muscles. I mean, I knew about the CoQ10, that you had to have that, but I never knew that it would also make an ant. This guy can't even walk 20 steps without pain. So I told him what he needed to do because I have treatments for autoimmune diseases that completely downregulate the, um, the antibodies. In fact, I sent it off to, um, I sent it off to the immunology department uh, in, in Birmingham because they were working on myasthenia gravis. And I explained to them, I had patients that had um, a, a Graves disease, for example, and nothing conventional had worked. So I put them on a special diet, took them off of red meat and fish oil and antioxidants. And in four weeks, they didn't have any antibodies anymore. And the same thing for Hashimoto's. And then the same thing for rheumatoid arthritis, where the woman had been on... Um, she had been on Celebrex, she had been on steroids, she had been on methotrexate, you name it, the woman had been on it and nothing worked. And she had splints on her hands and came to me with her husband and he kind of looked me up and down like, hmm, yeah, right, what can you do, right? I'm only five feet two, so I figured they probably think, oh, she can't be smart. Anyway, the point is that I ended up putting her on the same thing that I'd given this lady with Hashimoto's, right, and the one with Graves' disease. And so four weeks later, um, she sends me her lab data and her rheumatoid factor had gone from 800 to zero in four weeks. And I was like, wow, this is blowing my mind, right? So I started looking at this and I sent, I sent this letter off to say, hey, X, Y, Z, this is what I did. And this is what happened. And these are the results, right? And one of my colleagues who's an immunology, um, Professor Doug Leish, uh, in, uh, he's in London, and um, Gus wrote me back and he said, you know, thank you for inf- letting me know about this. He said, you know, in myasthenia gravis, they tried low-dose naltrexone and um, they tried low-dose naltrexone in, in multiple sclerosis and it seems to be helping in autoimmune diseases. And I said, Gus, these must not be autoimmune diseases. They must be viral diseases that are causing an antibody to be formed because of the virus. So this is what we're seeing in MS. This is what we're seeing in um, um, a lot of the other diseases too. So I said, well, you know, jury's still out for me. I want to do more studies on this. But it's fascinating for me to see that there's always a treatment. It's just it's just something where you have to do the research to find out what's, what's the mechanism in the background. I mean, the lady that runs the LDN, Low Dose Naltrexone Foundation in in, uh, the UK, she had MS. She was in a wheelchair and she got on Low Dose Naltrexone and now she can walk, now she can work. And and then um, Professor Zurhausen from the German Cancer Research Center says um, it's it's two viruses. He said it's two viruses. It's the Epstein-Barr virus and he thinks it's a bovine circular virus. So they've been doing studies and looking at this, but the very fact that LDN helped put it into remission 
and LDN is raising the immune system. So this is this doesn't make sense to these people that think, oh, it's an autoimmune disease, because if it's autoimmune disease and you're raising the immune system, you wouldn't expect such fantastic results, but that's what they're seeing. Hmm. So now Trexone is a, I just looked it up because I didn't know what it was used for, is, is for helping narcotics stay drug-free and alcohol and alcoholics stay alcohol-free. Right, at that so dosage. What is it? At a high dosage. So at a low dosage, what is it? What's its mechanism? What does it do? Oh, it's incredible. It's so it's so different too. I mean, this is like someone's like homeopathy, right? And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And it works. They only use three or four point five milligrams at night. And what it does is, it blocks the um, T suppressor cells. They're called FOXP3. Those are suppressor cells. They lower the immune system. So it blocks that. So the immune system starts to go up. It blocks another interleukin-10, which is, which is really a bad guy in cancer. Interleukin-10 will um, actually also lower your immune system terribly. And that's made by also by Epstein-Barr virus. So we don't know. Some, some patients have Epstein-Barr virus and cancer. Some don't. But it's, it's quite common. But this lowers the interleukin-10 regardless. And it also has an inhibitory effect on interleukin-6, which is an inflammatory interleukin. So what it's doing is it's raising the immune system, cutting down inflammation. And it's amazing. At three milligrams, this is Dr. Zagan's work. He did the original work on this. And um, I was floored because I, I, I didn't use it for years. Bahar in um in new york was saying oh this is wonderful it's great it's i'm helping all my patients and i'm like well give me a mechanism give me a mechanism i can't just recommend something unless i know does it work how's it work is it safe and all the rest of this stuff and he was like well we're getting great improvements and i thought well you know great improvement sounds good but i need my patients are taking enough stuff i don't want to burden them with something um if i'm not absolutely sure that a it's safe and b it's effective and by God, when it's when I started seeing some of the data, wow, I was floored. Three milligrams. This is like nothing. Interesting. So that's what's leading you to this theory that um, maybe some of those diseases aren't necessarily autoimmune diseases because you're seeing an enhancement in in, in upregulation of the immune system and these diseases getting yeah. better, like Hashimoto's, right. like MS. Um Whereas Graves maybe disease. if you, you enhance it, they, you know, it would, it would maybe cause more problems. Now, Dr. Terry Walls, do you know her, the Walls Protocol? I don't her. know her protocol. I've heard of her name, but I don't know her protocol. I've had her on the podcast. She, had, she has MS, and it okay. hit her. She's a medical doctor. hit her pretty hard. In, I put her in her wheelchair. She was basically you know, on, on her way to the to the worst experience of MS, um, it's a it's a progressive degenerative disease. It gets worse and worse, right? And right. there's in modern medicine, in Western conventional medicine, there's no cure for it. Um, it basically debilitates you completely. She also had um, where her parts of her body just are in uh, I forget what it's called. Um, it's a burning, like you're getting burned by a fire sensation. Oh um, my God! Yes. And so she had that as well. So she started researching um, the nutrition because she started she started researching like what else could I do? She started researching and learning about all these you know nutritional approaches like this vitamin helps with this and this mineral and this. And she goes, well, where's should I just take a hundred supplements or 
or where where's the best source to get these? Oh, the best source to get these is from food. So she started researching, oh, vegetables and, you know, different kinds of foods and just kind of led her into a high vegetable um, uh, and, and animal-based diet. So she'll have like organs and things like that. She'll have, I think, six, seven, eight servings of vegetables every day, fermented vegetables. She'll eat, you know, the whole rainbow of vegetables every single day, and then she'll have some kind of, you know, organ meat or some kind of meat with it and, um, you know, potatoes and things like that. So she cleaned up her diet to the point where she was getting all of her nutrients from her food, whole food, nothing processed, um, everything, you know, whole food. Um, And then she started, you know, doing all kinds of other, you know, physical activities that she could do to help improve her um, improve her function. Um, she was able to start riding a bike again. She got out of the wheelchair. She got to the point, oh, she got wheat, dairy, so gluten and dairy completely out of her diet, which we know, you know, you could talk about some of the mechanisms of why we should get those things out of the diet. Um, all the processed food out and, and she, her MS is basically in remission. I mean, mm-hmm. she's a fully right. functioning, she came to a retreat with me recently uh incredible human being you know fully functioning and incredibly brilliant she's doing scientific studies on on the walls protocol all the things that she's changed and she's helping others with ms so it's interesting to think like well whatever it is that's causing it whether it's leaky gut that's allowing certain protein proteins to slip through the bloodstream and into the body and the the immune system attacking those as as you know um uh, a lot of people think today or some kind of viral infection actually at the root of it, or maybe both either right. way, the diet and lifestyle will, will address that. Right. Well, yeah, but they'll raise your immune system. And that's the irony because she's raising the immune system, changing her gastrointestinal bacteria. Okay. Because all this junk food with all the glyphosates and everything else in it and, and the um, GMOs, it's all completely destroying our gastrointestinal bacteria, lowering our immune system, and so on. So this is this is something where this makes absolute sense to me, because whatever you do to change your diet, change your lifestyle, and to downregulate any toxins in your gastrointestinal tract, and to get the good bacteria, the bifidobacteria, and so on, back on its feet again then you know your your entire metabolism changes your immune system changes and you can fight any viruses that are there the other thing is in in children with autism for example they've got leaky gut syndrome and with leaky gut syndrome you can take um uh what is it slippery elm slippery elm will help to cut out that leaky gut syndrome but you also need for these little kids um acetylcarnosine and it turns out that the carnosine will actually block a neurotoxin that's being released in the gastrointestinal tract of these little kids, which is why it's really important that these little children that have autism are also put on organic foods and they're also uh, given to proper probiotics for their gastrointestinal tract, et cetera, et cetera, and more, more vegetables and all of that so that you can then shift this whole metabolism and then detox them and get rid of any heavy metals or anything else that might be in their brain or their body or whatever. So the, these are the things, you know, it's so simple when you think about it, Nathan, these are, these are, you know, this is not rocket science. This is common sense in the area of scientific, how can we say, um, experiences, Okay, for people that are physicians and scientists who've seen it with their own eyes, 
who've had their own illnesses reverse by changing their diet and changing their lifestyle. And I'll tell you, if somebody had told me this while I was studying medicine, and of course, what was I getting every day? Lectures in pharmacology. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, no, you just need the right drug. And now I realize, no, no, you just need the right food and the right lifestyle. And, you, and then you start relaxing. And, it, and it's like, it's, it's incredible because the more stress we have, the lower our resistance is, the higher the possibility of viral infections and so on and so forth. But I actually have a book uh, booklet that I wrote, Helping Yourself in Neurological Diseases, and I've got MS in there. And I, I, I changed the diet for one lady, and it completely stopped her from progressing with MS. And now that I know about LDN and about the viruses, I mean, you know, now I've, I'm, I'm adding things on and, and making a few other changes. But this is this is something that if somebody told me this 10, 20 years ago, well, 20, 20 or 30 years ago, I never would have believed it. But the thing is, I think we've been indoctrinated to think that, um, you know, like our, our great, great grandparents, what did they have? They had nature. They had herbs. They had, um, you know, foods and herbs and so on and lifestyle. Like somebody said today when I was watching and they were saying, you know, you look at somebody from, let's say, a rural area in Greece or an island in Greece or Italy or wherever, and the whole family's together and they're all eating together. And, and the grandfather is maybe, you know, 95 years of age or whatever. He's doing fine. He's running around the table chasing the little kids. Um, they're physically active every day. They're eating healthy foods. They're eating good foods. They're, they're growing their own foods, right? That many of us have been sort of indoctrinated to think, oh, well, whatever I need, I can pick up at the store. Um, I don't need to grow my own foods because I can just buy it down at the local whatever. And they're, and they're not, not looking into organic or realizing that they're basically poisoning their body and then the stress levels that everybody's at. So you've got contamination, you've got glyphosates, you've got all of these, um, all of these pesticides and so on and so forth there. Do you know where my most common prostate cancer patients come from? The golf course. Why? Because they are drinking out of plastic bottles that are soft plastic that have estrogen mimetics leaking out of the plastics. They're sitting in the sun in their little carts and the entire golf course looks beautiful because there isn't a weed in it. Why? Because everything's sprayed. It's all, it's all full of glyphosates. And so their, their immune systems are shot to hell and they're, and they're and getting all of these estrogen mimetics. In fact, I was reading today about the amount of plastics in the foods and in the water and in the brains and how these, these minute plastic, I'm actually collaborating right now with a, um, a nonprofit a foundation in Wales and they are working on using algae and uh, mushrooms to extract the heavy metals from, from the water. And they want to start clearing up the, the rivers and clearing up the streams in Wales and doing it this way. And the, the fellow that's that's director of it is uh, a double Ph.D., one in one in uh, his name's Scott Griffiths. And Scott has a Ph.D. in uh, algae and a Ph.D. in mushrooms. And I thought I was crazy. I thought, oh, my God, this guy's as nuts as I am. But I said to him, you know, this is really amazing. And he said, yeah, they, I mean, these are free little workers. They just they gobble up, you know, like we know with spirulina and chlorella and so on. It, it gobbles up the heavy metals and it helps to get the heavy metals out of our body. So this is where we really need this type of, a, of an improvement to clean up the water. And I'm looking at 
all sorts of other areas to clean up the water too that are not just through filter and not just through um through through that aspect but also things like magnets and electromagnetic fields and things like that reverse osmosis and all the rest of the stuff so i'm i find it just overwhelming that there are so many possibilities but it has to do with oh well um the government's not going to pay for it because there's no profit in it you know and it's like somebody sent me an older article from from wales that said because of the mines in wales that oh well um a, a little bit of lead is um you know it's it's not a big problem um it's it's not dangerous and i said a bullet isn't dangerous if it doesn't hit the heart <laughs> and i said it's all relative so what i did was i went on pubmed and i pulled up about eight different articles showing how it damages children how it damages the chromosomes how it damages the genes and i'd like you've got to be kidding me don't try to hand me this that's the thinking that's the problem with the thinking conventional thinking today it's like oh well just because we put these 20 chemicals into your sunscreen or into your toothpaste or into your lotion or whatever and we can prove in a laboratory that one chemical by itself over the course of a few weeks doesn't cause any major problems certainly at a low dose right like that's how it gets approved here in the u.s for example you don't have to prove right. safety that's that's the crazy part about a lot of these chemicals you don't have to prove safety all you have to do is prove that they don't cause problem well the the, the problem with that is they don't do long-term multi-year studies. They don't do it where it's accumulating on the skin every day for years and years. And they don't do the studies where they mix all these 67 chemicals together that you have on and in your body from all of your skincare and your food and all the things you're putting into your body. So to, oh, it's safe. It's fine. Well, well, no, it's not safe. Look at what they do, especially in uh, continuous use and in, you know, proliferation throughout the body and in, and one thing that we have no idea about, but we certainly could presume is dangerous long term, is the chemical mixture of all of these yeah. toxic chemicals, right? Where you put them all together into a toxic soup and then put them in and on the body and just, hey, let's just see what happens. Well, cancer rates explode, autoimmune diseases explode, are exploding at the same time as um, autism is exploding at the same time. Neurodegenerative disease is exploding at the same time. Well, what do these chemicals do? Well, we know a lot of them, as you said, are estrogen mimickers. They are xenoestrogens. They, they really screw they're, they're endocrine disruptors, meaning it screws up your hormones. And if your hormones get screwed up, guess what? Your whole body gets screwed up. You're going to have a higher risk of cancer. You're going to have a higher risk of um, all kinds of chronic diseases, a higher all-cause mortality risk. When your hormones get out of whack, you're going to have hot flashes, you're going to sleep poorly, you're going to have chronic fatigue, you're going to have low energy, you know, you're know, you going to have depression, you're going to have so many problems, chronic inflammation, overweight, obesity, because of you know hormone imbalances. Well, what are all these chemicals on your sunscreen, in the water bottles, in the plastic, in your lotions, uh. in your toothpaste, and all these things? That's what many of them are. They are endocrine disruptors, proven endocrine disruptors, and some of them are probable or um, likely carcinogens, meaning that they can potentially cause cancer. Mix them all into a big witch's cauldron and drink them and put them on your body every day for 30 years and see what happens. What do you think's gonna think is going to happen? You know, I think the only ones alive are the ones that are mutated. We're <laughs> mutating ourselves. That's the problem. No, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. You're right. I should send you the photo of, a, of the little boy in the dress. 
and said, why is little Johnny wearing a dress? Well, we did a study at Food and Drug Administration where they injected um, the BPAs, the biphenyls, into pregnant female rats and the uh, fetuses, which normally would have a different structure in the brain from male to female, they all looked female. Hey, I just want to pause a second and ask you, are you enjoying this episode so far? Are you getting good value from this content? If so, then I know you're going to absolutely love Healing Life. At HealingLife.net, you get exclusive and premier access to hundreds of the top world's doctors, experts, cancer conquerors and survivors, exclusive interviews that I have done with all these experts and doctors uh, that are not available for free online. They're only available at HealingLife.net. So not only do you get access to all of those, but you actually get to speak with these doctors and experts and ask them any question you want about health and healing. And this is available exclusively to Healing Life members. You can try it out for free. Go to healinglife.net and you can start your free trial there. And uh, whether you're interested in learning more about detox or cancer, diet and nutrition and nutritional science, about diabetes, about heart disease, autoimmune disease, anti-aging, longevity, all of these topics are covered in depth and more are continuing to be added at Healing Life. And again, you get to talk to these doctors yourself. So I invite you to set up a free trial at healinglife.net. .net, and I hope to see you over there. Now, let's get back to the show. Wow. And that just blew my mind. This was just this the was BPA, just, just injecting the BPA. Just that one. Just that one. And when we injected into male rats, they all got prostate hyperplasia. It was like, okay, we've got, you know, so So that actually starts to validate a theory that I have. It's going to be super controversial, but it's, it's a theory I've had for a while of why are we seeing this explosion in gender dysphoria? Why are we seeing this explosion in, yeah. you know, boys thinking they're girls? I mean, aside from the obvious political motive that there is right now, aside right. from the dysfunctional parenting that happens where the parents are literally like forcing this stuff on their kids. Now, I'm not saying all of them are, but certainly some of them are aside from the, you know, which is which should be criminal, by the way, taking a little child at three years old and dressing him up, taking a boy and dressing him up as a girl and saying, Hey, maybe you should be a girl. And like, and then, you know, encouraging them to consider, you know, surgery at young ages, like that should all be criminal. They're not all those cases, but, but I look at why this massive explosion. Well, this is my theory. And what you just said starts to validate that. Look at what has happened in the last 30 years, the last 30 to 40 years, this massive explosion of endocrine disrupting, estrogen mimicking chemicals into our food plastic containers water that is proliferating everywhere well what does high amounts of estrogen do in young boys and in men it makes them literally be more feminine more female like right where the men should be having testosterone we saw it in the in the in the rats in the baby rats i mean it was credible and they took atrazine, uh, which is also an endocrine disruptor, and they had it in a in a pond where there were frogs, and all the frogs end up turning to into um, male frogs, and the male frogs could have babies, but they were all male babies, so that the, the pond died out, right? No more frogs, and this is something when I saw a little boy walking down the street, and he was about twelve, I guess, with his boyfriend and his mother, and and he was wearing a long gold skirt. 
And I thought, ha, saw this coming in 1980. I saw this coming in FDA when they were doing the experiments on the rats. I mean, and you see a woman that's pregnant walking down the street and she is drinking out of a plastic bottle. She's getting all of these these estrogen mimetics in there. And if she's pregnant with a little boy, I mean, good luck. And this is this is the problem that I'm seeing all over the place. And it's this definitely this has to be gotten out of out of the foods, out of the water and everything else. And they're not working on it. Why? It's the same story with the big pharmaceutical companies. You get the same type of corruption with the um, with the big industry companies that are making all of these chemicals. They don't they don't want to get rid of it. Look at the lymphoma and all of that stuff that was coming from the glyphosates and the lawsuit. Even the lawsuits didn't slow them down. They're still spraying this junk on oats to dry them, and they're spraying the glyphosates on uh, on wheat before well, they harvest and, it. And and recently I saw that sperm counts in men, so increase in fertility in men, have decreased by 50% over the last 50 years. So right. what 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 does excess estrogen in men do? It creates infertility. It's what it does. Right. It creates right. infertility. It lowers testosterone. It it doesn't allow you to reproduce properly. Just you said you got you've seen these studies in in animals. Well, guess what? It's happening right. to us too, right before our very eyes, and it's affecting our children. It's affecting our right. children to the point to where I believe it's literally making them think. That they're, you know, they're so confused in their body because they have high levels of estrogen, lower levels of testosterone, where they should be feeling more like a boy and more, you know, it's like, well, maybe I am right. a girl. And then you get all this, po- you know, positive reinforcement. Oh, it's okay to be a right. girl. You don't need. You can pick your gender. You can be whatever. Gen- you can be gender fluid. Oh, God, be- I know. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like right. that to me is is a 100% mental condition that needs. Yeah. Um, that needs therapy. Period. It's criminal. And, it's criminal. And that's it's not. Criminal. And that's not to say you know, just like depression needs therapy. Ang- you know, chronic anxiety needs right. therapy. Uh, adult childhood, you know, a- adverse events needs therapy. Trauma needs therapy. Rape victims need therapy. I've gone through right. a lot of therapy. I had a lot of childhood adverse events. Therapy is amazing. But to say that gender dysphoria is something that we should promote and support and and say, oh yeah, you can be a girl, you can be a boy, you pick your gender. That it's it's that is the criminal part of the of the political, the people in power, and the parents who are pushing and fighting for this. When really, these are people who just need some support, some care, some love, someone to talk to, right. someone to listen to them, not to push them into this ideology, right? But to say, hey, uh, yeah. what's going on that's making you feel this way? Well, maybe it's just you're so exposed to so many xenoestrogens that let's clean right. up the diet. Let's get, right. let's get the plastics out of the house and replace it with glass, right? right? All your plastic containers. Don't drink from plastic water bottles. Drink from glass or stainless steel. Let's make sure right. that all your food is, is real whole make food. Make sure your water is properly filtered too so that you get as much filtered. of this junk Right. Get it out. The and thing then, is, these, and then let's talk these, about it. Let's listen to it. Let's don't push you into this insane ideology that it's. Oh no! And these poor children that have been convinced to change their gender. I mean, you know, little little girls that think that they should become little boys, and and these children, when they're operated on as teenagers, 
they've had an awful lot of suicides afterwards when they realize, oh my God, I made a mistake. No, I, I was a girl. I want to be a girl again, but I can't be a girl again. I mean, it's just, this is horrendous. And they've had, they've had many deaths and they've had many suicides in these children. And this is something where you're absolutely correct. You're, you're completely warping their, their entire orientation on, on gender. And the thing is, to me, when they say, oh, what's a female? What's a woman? I said, what's a woman? Hello, XX? How about XX? Let's start simply, you know, let's just look at the chromosomes. You know, this is this is the thing. It's 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 insane. It's just insane. And I just um, I actually made a joke about this. I made a joke about this. It's it was um, um, what did the um, big XY chromosome say to the little XY chromosome? He said, I think you're getting too big for your genes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's a sick joke. But I thought to myself, you know, don't they know what a chromosome is? I mean, you've got to be kidding me. And they're telling these little girls, oh, well, you're, you could be a boy. Um, you know, pick your own gender and all that. And I, I thought to myself, I don't think God designed it that way, you know, or or otherwise we would all be um, like like this. The, what is it? The um, the the uh, horse horse. The horse, what do they call them? The seahorse? Uh, fish. Seahorse. Sea yeah, like the seahorse. Exactly. Exactly. I was thinking in German. Right. Right. Fair but death. we're not. We're not the seahorse. We're human beings. You know, it's like. Right. Exactly. You know, a boy has his body parts. Female has her body parts. Hey, look, that's the big, you know, right. that's number one difference right there. But to try and try and change that to feed somebody's insecurity or somebody's ego or somebody's right. dysphoria, like. You know, no, let's I have love and compassion for people who are who are, you know, it's it's an identity crisis. It's an right. identity struggle right. in my mind. I've been through identity crisis. I know what that's like, not with gender, but just with my own personal identity and, and ego disillusion and all kinds of things. And it's scary and it's challenging. And you need someone to talk to and you need someone to listen oh, yeah. to you and you need someone not to tell you to, you know, give into it or whatever, but to be there to to support you through it. And now we have these. You. Now we have these psychologists, these gender psychologists, who are who are literally. You go and tell them, "Hey, I think I'm a woman," and they're prescribing you puberty blockers at 15 yes. years old without right. without spending any therapy. Like, hey, no, that let's do six months of therapy first and really right. see what's going on underneath. You know what I mean? But let's that that should be illegal when you take a teenage uh, teenage child. And you put them on these these hormone blockers so that they can change their gender later on, and they're only they're only like thirteen, fourteen, fifteen years of age. That that should be a criminal offense. I agree. Absolutely. I agree. It's it's insane what's happening, and um, you know, like I said, yes, they need love, they need compassion, they need care. But what's happening today um, with the with with the proliferation of of the you know incredible um, it's, it's, it's not support. It's manipulation. It's the manipulation right, exactly. and they're using yeah. it for corporate greed and corporate gain, right? They take, they take people yeah. and then put them on, you know, beer cans and put and make them spokespersons for their products and things like that. It's, it's right. all about money and it's all about power. It is. I mean, that's really it what is. it is. It and is. that's the sad part is these people don't realize what the corporations and the politicians are using them for, you know, right. that's the sad part. 
I think it's worshiping the golden calf. And I think that's the problem with our society today. It's all about money and it's not about people or honesty or integrity or, or compassion. It's all about greed and money. And the thing is the people are completely lost. I, I, I thought to myself, I went, I went, was looking at some of the things about the past and I thought, you know what? I really understand why Moses got so angry when he came down and saw these people worshiping a golden calf. Now we've got, you know, um, golden, golden cars for half a million or a million dollars or something like that, which people think, you know, oh, I've, I've reached, I've reached heaven. I've reached Nirvana. Look how wealthy I am. I'm going to make everyone envious of me. And the thing is we're, we're losing our, you know, I always tell people the the greatest word in mankind is kind. It's not, oh, I have more money than you. What's money? You you I remember when my father had a stroke. He was 55 and I was only 15. And here was a man that was an oral surgeon that did very well, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and suddenly he's paralyzed. And he was quadriplegic and they call it a vernica vernica man that means that he was could not speak, he could not walk. For 22 years and I thought to myself you know all the money in the world cannot compensate for that because it's about it's about and how the all the neighbors helped this was you know in in the in the midwest when my father was in the hospital the neighbors all baked food for my mother to have so that that the the family would have food and she didn't have to worry about it. I mean, this, this is kindness. And this is something that I'm not seeing nowadays. I'm seeing people saying, Oh, and where did you study? Or, Oh, uh, where do you live? Or what kind of a car do you drive? (laughs) Like who cares? Right. I mean, it moves, it goes from a to a to B and that's all I care about. But this is something where they, they get so materialistic. So it's, to me, it's false gods. It's like, you know, how about, learning and teaching respect and compassion and love and and kindness. I I just look at this and think to myself, wait a minute, we've come too far. We're going to have to build an ark because, you know, God's going to flood us out if we don't watch it. And I thought to myself, they must have thought Noah was nuts. Can you imagine in the desert? He's telling his family we have to build an ark and they're looking at him like, come on, Noah, you're out of your mind. There's no, there's no water here. We're in a desert. Right. And I thought to myself, you know, maybe, for those who don't believe that there is some other super being up there that some people call God or call whatever they want, that there is something that when mankind, and we've seen this over decades, when mankind has become really corrupt and lost the ability for compassion and kindness and love, then we've seen disasters happen. And I thought to myself, God, where are we heading now? So it's for the rest of us, the remnants, we've got to clean up the earth and clean up the, the environment and help the people out and help help the children and the future of this planet because these are the ones that are there, there tomorrow. Right. And they, they need to know that, you know, what what is really important. It's not important what you're wearing. It's not important what, what designer clothes are. It doesn't matter. What's important is is what's in your heart. And this is something that I think we've really gone too far. And this is the problem with, with the, the big companies, these, these multi-billion dollar companies that are, they don't care one way or the other about anything but the money. Follow the money. And you look at that and you think, well, you know what? It, it's, it's only money. It, this is ridiculous. And so you're seeing them. They don't care if you drop dead tomorrow on their product, right? As long as they can make money on it. And I thought, this is the new false gods. 
And this is crazy because the thing is, it's, it's, there's nothing nicer in the world than a person that's compassionate and kind. And that, that to me is, is the paramount of, of what we're supposed to be all about as human beings. And those of us who are, who are healers and helpers and so on, that's, that's the important thing in life. And all of these other people, they're going to end up by the wayside. And I, I've seen it. I've seen it in people that ended up then losing all their money and thinking, you know, or committing suicide because they lost all their money, thinking money was everything. It isn't. Right. And then the people that a have resource. a child, where do they have a child that's sick with cancer? And suddenly they have a whole new orientation on what's important. Yeah. I don't wish that on anybody. But anybody that has cancer or has a family member with cancer, they began to realize, wait a minute, what are the priorities? What, what's important in this life? It's, is it, you know, my new car, my new clothes, or is it my child or my partner or, or my brother, whatever it is? And these are the things that I think that it's really, really, it's, it's horrendous and we need to go back to the future. We need to go back to pure food. We need to go back to organic foods, growing our own foods and so on and being able to um, keep our bodies healthy. Cause I mean, for, for many of us, we only come around once, right? Other people think they come around again, but whatever they think, I don't care. That's fine. But for when we're here now, right? When we're here now, we have to do the best we can with what we have. And that is our own minds, our own bodies and so on. And to keep it, keep it balanced. It's absolutely imperative. And I, and I, when I see these patients who change their diet and change their lifestyle and, the, and their cancers disappear, their autoimmune diseases disappear. Their, their, their illnesses disappear. Their diabetes goes away. They get it off the junk food. They get it off the high fructose corn syrup and all that stuff. And suddenly they don't have diabetes anymore. They don't have high blood pressure anymore. They don't have heart problems anymore. And I'm, and I'm like, hello, hello. You know, you, you, you might have missed something there, you know? It's like you are in control of your body, not your doctor. And not a drug company and, and none of these other things. You yourself. And you can turn it around. And I know for most people, it's like, well, just write me a prescription, doc. It's like, hey, you know, you lazy sot. You got to do it on your own. And it's not easy. I know it isn't easy. Well, I know for myself. I was so under stress. And then I looked at the pictures that I, that, that um, Denise had done for me. And I, my face was so round. And I'm like, gee, why is my face so round? Well, stress, 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 stress. Cortisol, cortisol, cortisol. And so Denise sent me a, um, that's my vice president. She sent me a TikTok showing a round face. And I'm like, oh, my God. I better get back on Rhodiola Rosea. I've got to start meditating. I've got to get on that treadmill every day. And I, and I have to make sure that I can bring everything down, get, keep my immune system up and so on. And so these are the things we're all human. We all make mistakes. We all do stupid things. Let's face it. We wouldn't be human if we didn't. But once you realize, oh my God, I need to meditate. Oh gosh, I need to exercise more. I need to do this. I need to burn off whatever it is that it's bothering me. And I need to realize that we are, that no matter what it is in the world, it's not, and does not have to be the end it can be the beginning. So powerful. And that's so beautiful. I mean, thank you for sharing that. The, I love how you always say, you know, the best part of the word of mankind is, is kind. You know, it's like we have to learn to be kind and, um, and caring. And sometimes being kind and caring is 
you know, putting our foot down and saying, no, like, no, this is right. not okay, you know, for these children and for what, you know, right. these children are going through. It's like, no, this is not okay. We have to protect them. And that is the kind, that's the kindness that we all have is, you know, that's, that, that's the masculine energy. We all have masculine and feminine, right? The masculine energy right. is like, no, we need, we need direction. We need guidance. We need protection. We need right. support. You know, we need that. And then we need the feminine. We need the nurturing and the love and the caring and the compassion. We all have it both sides within us. Right. But it's like, well, why is the child need the mother for the first couple of years and could care less about the father? You know, <laughs> I had two children. Right. You know, it's like if I were if I were in my ego, it was like, why do my kids not care about me? Well, well, well. Right. It's like all they care about is their mother. Well, <laughs> because they need the mother. They need the milk. They need the love. They need the nurture. The mother is their life right. support. Right. They get a little right. older. Then they're like, hey, I need the father. I need the discipline. I need the structure. I need the guidance. I need the masculinity. I need the strength. Like we need both. You know, we need both. And and within that, I think there's there's a wisdom for us for us to learn. I want to share something that's come up because a lot of the work you do and a lot of work I do is working with people once they're sick. They already have cancer. Right. They're already therapied right. out. They're stage three, stage four. They have autoimmune disease. They have diabetes. They're obese. They have heart disease. Right. And it's like, hey, we're trying to do what we can to help them heal, but it's never guaranteed. The further you're along in your disease, the harder it's going to be. Um, it has a lot to do with your accessibility, your budget, you know, what drugs you've taken, what are you taking, what are you willing to change? And there's still no guarantees that you're going to reverse right. anything. And so it's hard because people still lose their lives, you know? Um, and, and 90 something, 90 plus percent of all of that is completely avoidable. You know, it's, it's completely avoidable. Cancer, most cancer is preventable. Most heart disease is preventable. Most autoimmune disease is yeah. preventable. If we change the way we live and eat and breathe and sleep now, if we get these right. toxins out of our lifestyle now, if we get the plastics out of our life now, if we filter our water, filter our air, now we spend more time in nature. Now we eat whole foods, real foods, as many plant foods as possible. A lot, you know, five, six servings of vegetables every day, five, six servings of, of berries and fruits. Get your nuts and seeds and your legumes and your healthy grains and get out the toxins from your diet. If we do and exercise and meditate, if we do those right. things every day now, then when you're 50, 60, 70, like I was talking with a, uh, a group of younger guys the other day who are, you know, my generation, they're 30s, 30, 20s, 30s, and 40s. And I'm like, I'm like, look, I, I would love to be able to help our generation, my generation, to prevent these diseases. But most of them don't right. care about it. They don't think about it. They don't, it's like, oh, it doesn't affect me. I'll eat cheeseburgers and garbage all day long. I work out, so I'll be fine. And then these are the people right. that you and I are working with every day who are 50 and 60 who have now stage four cancer. And I said, what I told him was, I said, look, I can look at your diet and your lifestyle right now. And I can tell you where you're going to end up in 20 years. It's very predictable. The foods you're eating and the life you're living now shows a mm -hmm. predictability of an outcome that is highly likely either vitality and health and energy and feeling good or Right. cancer and disease and sickness and fatigue and near death, right? Like right. it's not guaranteed, but it's very, very predictable. Success leaves, you know, um, uh, act actions lead to results. And those results are quite predictable when we understand the underlying mechanisms that lead to health or disease. 
And so if we, and he goes, Oh my God, I've never thought about it that way. I'm like, well, yeah, because nobody teaches us this stuff. You know, (laughs) it's like, I've spent uh, now almost 18 years of my own life since I was 18 years old, getting immersed in everything, natural health. I could possibly get my hands on researching, experimenting with everything in over a decade now, specifically on cancer research and cancer education. And so it's like, I've had to dive deep into this to learn all of it myself but you're not taught this stuff. Medical doctors aren't taught this stuff. You had to research this nope. on your own, right? Um, and right. the average person right. is not taught this unless they're actively seeking it. But these diseases right. and this pain and this chronic disease is primarily preventable if we do something about it now and we educate ourselves and educate others and say, look, mm-hmm. you don't have to suffer when you're 62. You know, you, you, can, ha- right. you can increase your chances to live a life that is joyful and healthy and happy if you make these changes now and for the next 20 years it becomes a lifestyle it's not a chore right right you know i have a 92 year old neighbor here she started the first nursing school under the shah of iran with her husband who was a doctor obviously they had to leave after that and she's 92 and the woman is out there every day doing her walking. I can't even keep up with her, right? <laughs> and she and when I look at her meals, um, small meals, a lot of fruits, vegetables, and so on. She doesn't eat very much. She's thin as a rail, and she's 92 and sharp as a tack. And I mm. thought to myself, you know, it, the, when I look at, at some of the stories with my patients and every once in a while, I get somebody that says, look, I have maybe two or three little kids and either my husband died or he left me and I have nothing and I can't afford the nutrients and I can't afford this and so on and so forth. And, you know, if they only change their diet and their lifestyle, they don't even need all the nutrients. The nutrients are there as it helps support kind of like a crutch to hit a lot of the targets and stuff faster. Okay. That's granted. It's faster. The supplements. You're talking about supplements. You mean? Yeah, exactly. Supplements. supplements. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. And if they do that, fine. Um, They can actually start to reverse their cancers anyway, or whatever the disease is, but it's, it's something where most people are so brainwashed to think, no, it has to be a prescription or it has to be, you know, it has to be a whole, a whole list of, and you know, this book or that book, or if I starve it and then take all of these particular supplements and these off label drugs and this and that, that's the only thing that's going to help me. But if they have emotional problems and all the rest of this stuff going on at the same time, they, they they have to clean up everything. And this is something that it isn't just supplements. It isn't just, it's it's a whole bunch of things. And like I said, some of these people that, that were sent home to die and decided I'm going to just go organic and I'm going to drink pure water and I'm going to exercise and they've gone into remission. So they don't, they don't need us, but they want to have the extra support. It's almost a placebo effect in some ways. But on the other hand, we know that it does help. We know in the studies and the animal studies and all of this stuff, yes, it's helped. Yes, it's gotten rid of their cancers. Their cancers are not emotional as far as I know. In fact, I have never, I haven't talked to the rats on this, but as far as I can see, you know, their cancers are carcinogens. But this is something where the more I see on this stuff, the more I realize. And the power of the mind is blowing me away. Hmm. The power of the mind to heal is unbelievable. 
and I've seen this, I've seen this with some of these, these uh, religious groups or like somebody, a, a patient of mine who had breast cancer and she's a hypnotherapist. She couldn't, she could not get rid of her own breast cancer. And even though she was on everything that would help her, she went to uh, a meeting um, with a, a very well-known um, person who helps with meditation and all of this stuff. And um, all of these people were concentrating over her and actually praying over her. One week later, her tumor was gone. And I was floored. I was floored. And I'm like, wow, look at the power of our minds. Look at what we can do. And I'm writing a paper right now on quantum physics. Okay, don't ask. But I see it. And it's it, the, the subtitle is, how does the dog know when I'm coming home? Mm. And the amount of energy that's coming from our brains and from thoughts and from visualizations is is kind of blowing me away. And that's I, a I great remember title. that's a great title. I had um, when my dad, when I was a kid, we had a dog. Her name was right. Abby. Um, Hus, she was a husky. And wow, he he was so far away. There, there's no way the dog could have heard him. Right. Couldn't like right. sometimes they hear the vehicle when you pull up and they, you know, even if because their hearing's amazing, he'd be coming home from work miles away and she'd be running to the front yard, getting ready to greet him. She could feel that he was coming. And very often right. it wasn't like once in a while, but she was tuned in to the energy of him knowing that he was coming home. So, I mean, I love the title of your paper because it's very, very apt. Well, it's all about quantum and quantum. Um, actually also goes into uh, meditation, it goes into prayer, it goes into visualization, and it goes into all of the positive things that will lower our um, stress factors and help us to connect. And I keep thinking, in the Bible, it said, when two or more are gathered in my name, and I thought, wow, what did they know? What did they know? When more of us are together and we're concentrating on something and, and, and praying for something, whether you believe in, in any God at all, it, you know, to me, that's, that's not even important. What's important is that you have a belief in something that is pure and healing. And it's, I've got a patient right now in Jakarta. She's a mess. She's, she's absolutely, you know, was falling apart because she slipped, broke her arm. She had cancer and they put her on, um, opiates and she was sick to her stomach and couldn't take anything and then and now she's in a very bad state and I am I've been praying day and night for this lady visualizing her getting well and she's improving and she, I said you've got to visualize it too and I want you to pray too and I had a lady from from China that said uh, I think she had breast cancer or something and she goes oh I, I no believe in God she said uh, and I said look did you have a grandmother you loved Oh, I love my grandma, but she died. I said, good, pray, pray to her. I don't care who you pray to. I said, the point is, it's this visualization of being, um, having an energy of healing and a low, it lowers your steroid levels, your cortisol levels. I mean, even at the very least, regardless of what it is, these forms of meditation, these forms of prayer, etc., will help to balance out your homeostasis in your body and then help your immune system come back. I mean, you know, this is not rocket science. This is kind of basic stuff. Well, it's rocket science to most people because they're they're not aware of it and they hear it and they go, oh, that's just woo-woo spiritual bullcrap. And, well, guess what? For thousands of years, our ancestors lived this way spiritually. They discovered that 
through prayer, through meditation, through visualization, we can heal. They knew that everything's connected through energy. They knew yeah. that we have the power with our minds and with our hearts to literally um, to, to transform energy. And everything is energy, disease in the body's energy. So they knew this for thousands of years. And now through quantum science and our most cutting edge you know, research today, they're basically saying exactly the same thing. Oh yeah, this stuff does work. And here's 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 how yeah, we right. think it works, right? It's like, well, yeah, here's right. what's happening to the hormone system. Here's what's happening to the to the energetics in the body. Here, oh, we can actually measure this. Oh, pretty cool. It's like, well, yeah, they knew this for thousands of years, but it's kind of cool that our modern science can actually look at it and and break it down and go, okay, here's what's happening. They don't really know right. why. They can't say why right. or where it's happening from. Other than, yet. you know, look at like the, you know, what's happening in the physiology or oh, this hormones being activated, this one's being deactivated, the immune system's being upregulated, the, the adrenal system's right. being downregulated. It's like, okay, so now we understand the mechanisms, uh, but, but that's still the, that's still the, um, the consequence of the action. The action is the prayer. Right. The action is the meditation. Right. The action is the connection to the energy and the, the moving the energy. You know, that's why Qigong is so powerful. Greg Braden was able to go into the medicineless hospital in China and capture video, very rare video footage of these Chinese Qigong energy healing masters. Uh, and I ended right. up meeting, well, I ended up becoming friends with and studying with a Qigong master who trained at that same medicineless hospital in China, which that form of Qigong has become has been called the number one medical Qigong in all of China. Wow. Uh, and he was able to go inside this hospital and film um, practitioners chanting and using basically a form of prayer, of visualization, meditation, chanting, right. and, and energy to take a tumor right. that was on screen and dissolve it into nothing. And this was yes. one, he was able to film this, which was, which was incredible. But the teacher that I learned from, Master Ming Tonggu, who's in New Mexico, has been teaching this here in the U.S. for 20 years. He trained under the Grandmaster there at the Medicineless Hospital in China, Grandmaster wow. Dr. Peng Ming, who was a Western-trained doctor who went into the deep research of all the ancient literature on Qigong and, and right. energy medicine and put it all together into a system where they had a 90 and they documented this scientifically a 95% reversal rate of every disease that came through the the Qigong medicineless hospital medicineless meaning they use no medicine no pharmaceuticals except Qigong and people were put on a simple right. clean diet very simple lifestyle and then they practice Qigong every day well what's Qigong Qigong is meditation visualization prayer sound healing and we know sound we can study the sounds of our voices certain sounds om shin different sounds that literally activate dopamine and down regulate um cortisol you can you know this stuff is all very well documented and they see all these diseases get healed why how it's miraculous it's because this is, we're tuning into you know the quantum field the the, the quantum right. field of healing which is beyond anything that uh, I think you know science can fully understand yet, but we're getting we're getting very close to understanding it at a deeper level. I want to know how the ancestors of so many so many cultures 
knew about the about the chanting and the vibrations of the chanting the 528 for example the the um the, the frequencies that will structure water that will stabilize our entire immune system and so on and they knew this sort of automatically and we see this in in the when we finally started to look at what were they chanting what were the frequencies in the chanting what is it doing etc cetera, etc cetera. and it's like it, it, I think it's something that is deep within all, every one of us yeah. and that, that we just let it go. We lost it. And I look at, I look at that type of healing and, and the Reiki healing and so on and so forth. I always said if I, if I had a clinic that I was collaborating with, I would have angels come around. I would have six people that were very, very spiritual and very kind mm. to stand um, at the, with the patients with their, their hands over the patient's um, in order to help them to heal from the energy that we have. And I thought to myself, you know, I'll bet the pharmaceutical companies don't want us to know we can actually heal ourselves. hundred <laughs> percent. There's no money in it. <laughs> There's no money in that for them. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Sorry, so, guys. <laughs> so the question you just asked is the que same question I've been asking for a long time. And, you know, I think I know how they discovered it. I think I know how they discovered this stuff thousands of years ago, or at least I think I know part of how they discovered it. Um, can I share a story with you? I've actually sure. never shared this story publicly. So I was in Mount Shasta and we were camping and we met this native American indigenous elder who was there doing a vision quest. It was like, I mean, all the, all the synchronicities of that experience were unbelievable. That's a longer story, but um, we were talking and we were camping and we, and he was doing this vision quest and he, you know, went off on his own. And anyway, just being in that energy and talking with him was so incredible. It really inspired me. And each morning I would go out into the forest by myself and I would sit and I would meditate deeply, really deep meditation. And all of a sudden on the first morning, I got this connection which felt like from from a spirit and it was like it was a process that i was receiving and it was a meditation process so basically it was like first um covering myself with this kind of golden like um light. orb light around my body right right um that was like that was like part of it the second the second day i went to meditation i got another part of it where the light the light would come in through the top and you know circle all around me and then leave through the side so it'd come down and in and then out through the side so i had this productive energy around me light coming in and then leaving leaving out and spreading out around me and then the third day i went to meditation i i got this um uh this kind of chant not a chant kind of an affirmation of like what to say and this whole process it was it was each day i got a little piece just downloaded from wow. this from this spirit and i said who are you it's giving me this and that right. the words i heard was saint germain and wow. what's really interesting is a few years before i was studying saint germain and i was you know reading books about saint germain and reading books about the the violet flame and all of that and i actually had a connection as a teenager to a violet flame temple in Montana with some friends, parents of mine, which is a whole other story. So again, all these synchronicities, 
the craziest part about all this. So each day I got a little deeper piece of this basically protective meditation, right? right? And the fourth day we left and we went to a sweat lodge. And I've been to many sweat lodges and, and basically every one of them have been unbelievably transformational. It's a Native American tradition, often Lakota Sioux. And it's, you know, in a teepee or in a, in a, in a covered lodge, uh, you build usually out of, um, out of, uh, not wicker, but, um, out of branches and then you cover it and there's a pit in the center and you bring in rocks. There's, there's, um, there's prayer, there's singing, you know, there's this whole beautiful transformational spiritual experience that happens totally sober. I've never been to a sweat lodge that uses any kind of, I know some people do, but traditionally, you know, there's no drugs or alcohol allowed at all. And you have these deep, profound spiritual experiences. And in this one, the man leading the sweat lodge was putting off this really negative energy. Like usually someone leading a sweat lodge, you know, is, is a, is someone who can hold the space really well, right? Someone with a lot of wisdom with positive energy, a great leader. And there's a first one I'd ever been to where he was just spewing out all this negativity. Like he was just in a really negative mood, I think, you know, and what was crazy was like, boom, it clicked. It goes, I got this download, use this protective meditation that I just learned over the last three days. And so right. I did, I covered myself. I did the light to send it out. I, you know, said the words the whole time. And I ended up having this really amazing experience on my own in there, almost disconnected from everything else that was going on. And then right. afterwards I talked to people later who were in there and they said it was like the worst sweat lodge they've ever been a part of in their life because of all oh, that geez. negativity and stuff. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like, it took me a long time to process that whole experience, but right. I'm thinking of it now and just going, where did that come from? Right. Where did right. that, 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 where did that process come from? Well, it came from another dimension for sure. I didn't make it up. Right. It wasn't me. No. If it truly was the spirit of St. Germain, you know, if we, if, if I feel that to be true, you know, but if it truly is that the spirit of St. Germain that gave me that, download that guidance um who's to say that not many other people over thousands of years have been getting this kind of information downloads and guidance about all kinds of these practices you know what i mean and giving it to you before you went into a situation where you needed it which is even more ironic even more just like okay that was it you like know they already I had knew doubts. you were going to be going there right right and, so and i had doubts i was like is that really saint germain and i just make that up i just i just right. want it to be saint germain blah 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 and then literally <laughs> the next day it was like i needed it i used it and it was exactly what i needed and it was like okay that's real i believe i believe more now thank you <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I've had so many right. doubts you know, about the spiritual experiences that I've had over the years, as I think is probably common for many of us, because it's like it's the invisible realm. And I've had so many yeah. experiences like that. And, and the tendency for me is like to go into doubt. But the right. life goes, God, spirit, the universe, life goes, well, look, here's the confirmation that this is very right. real. Quit doubting it, you dummy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I know. I'll I it, someday I'll tell you about some of the things that some people would call a miracle. Um, and my daughter just says, "Boy, mom, living with you is really weird." Um, I had an an incident happen the other day. Now I'm 
I, I pray every night for my patients. Okay. I really, I do. I, I'm constant. And if I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm back praying for them again. And I visualize a white pyramid light over all of them. Okay. Including me. Cause I got to get well too. So I, I have this going And anyway, long, long story short. Um, I had been looking at, um, some of the stories of Edgar Casey and this and that, and, you know, with channeling and so on. And channeling has always fascinated me, but I was always very um, concerned about it because uh, there was a book I read by an old monk who was an exorcist that said, you have to be careful with channeling because it can stay inside you. If it were, if it weren't good, um, it could be a negative and, and something that could be, actually be a harm for you. So, I'm speaking to a, um, a a colleague of mine. Actually, he's not a physician. He's a businessman, but I was speaking to him um, and he asked me, can I recommend something for a friend of his who has a tumor on his neck, right? And um, about, about a month later, he phoned me and said, um, listen, I've got this, there's this friend of mine and his wife has a, has a breast tumor. Should I use the same thing on on her or should i tell her to use the same thing on her breast that that my friend used from you and i said wait a minute what did what did i give you and he goes well he said i wrote it down you 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 told me what i should put together three things and they're they're two are homeopathic and um and you and i wrote it down i said no i didn't give you anything for him he said yes you did I wrote it down every time whenever you tell me something I always write it down and put it in a box with the, your you know your formulas and I said but I, I I never use topical things like like you're mentioning and I never use it in grams it's topical I don't measure it in grams he said no you gave it to me in grams and I said I have to tell you I I do not remember this whatsoever and I said, what happened? He goes, oh, his tumor went away. <laughs> and I'm like, I said, oh, my God, am I channeling or what the heck is this? He said, who's, who's coming through me? You know, and it's really funny when you get these these kind of, you know, aha moments and you're thinking, wait a minute, is this real? And yet he and he said to me, I always whenever you you tell me anything that is a formula, I always write it out and put it in a box. And I said, I have never given homeopathic stuff topically, number one. Number two, I have never given it in grams. I wouldn't even know how to do it. I have no idea how to give grams of homeopathy and so on and so forth. And then I, I had added DMSO. Well, I use DMSO sometimes. That's okay. That's I have used before. But I didn't put these two things together. And I'm like, oh, my God. I said to him, you know what? If you know anybody else with any topical tumors, I said, go ahead and try it. And let me know if it works. Because this just knocked my socks off. And I said, I have zero recollection of this, wow. never gave it in grams, never gave it topically. And here this man's tumor has gone from his neck. And I'm like, OK, who's up there? <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I don't you know what? If they want to if they want to if they want to help that way, that's fine. You know, as long as it's good, it's OK. But, uh, you know, I, I just it's it's it blew me away. Just like, you know, you're saying you, you were getting all this information and then later on this information really helped you. And I'm getting information that I don't even remember getting right. and I've never done before out of the blue. And I thought, geez, I feel like some sort of a witch or something here. But um, I guess it is channeling. And I didn't even know that channeling was something real. I mean, well, I always yeah. thought, oh, come on, you know, Edgar Casey had it. Yeah, cool. OK, well, we know that. But 
you know, I'm just a normal human being. I'm not Edgar Casey. And so what, what the hell's going on here? But it's, it's quite mind blowing to think that there are other dimensions out there. And those dimensions begin in, in our mind, but they are quantum and can go anywhere receiving or giving. And that's where, that's where I think when more people are praying together or concentrating together on positive things that you are enhancing this, this energy, these frequencies, whatever they are, that are actually helping us to heal ourselves. And this is, this is, this is blowing me out of the water. Here I did all these studies, all these years of academics and, and pharmacology and toxicology and biochemistry and medicine and, 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 and then I'm finding out, oh my God, we can actually heal ourselves. Wow, this is weird. And this is something where our ancestors knew this, but you know, we're in this quote, modern world of pharmaceuticals and drugs and all the rest of the jazz, only to realize, you know what? You don't even need those. It's like my next door neighbor who was about 85, couldn't sleep at night because she said she had run out of her, um, her sleeping pills, right? So I got her a placebo didn't tell her it was a placebo and gave it to her. There she's 85 year old German lady. And so she slept like a baby for over two and a half, almost three weeks until she turned over this package of placebos and it said on the back placebo. <laughs> and then she flipped out. And I said, oh, that, oh, the chemist, the pharmacist must have made a mistake. <laughs> and, and the thing is, but I mean, for me, it was a wonderful experience to see her being able to sleep for, for almost three weeks on placebos and she really didn't need it. She just needed yeah. to know it worked. I talked to Bruce Lipton the other day and he was telling me about the ability to heal. There was a study done by um, Glenn Ryan where they showed the transfer of electrons through water and then how it amplified it when a person was a healer, quote unquote healer. And if they were using intention in healing then it went to the top of the page i mean the whole thing that the, the graph showed that the electrons were just shooting through the water like this and i'm i said gee whiz i said you know bruce this is making me nervous you know what i said i think sometimes i feel like i'm handing handing a feather to dumbo the elephant and saying fly and he can fly and he said you are dana mm. <laughs> Mm. I'm like, oh God, you know, you can do this. Yeah. Yeah. I, Bruce is, Bruce is amazing. Um, I love the research he's done. Biology of belief is a great book of his for anyone who hasn't read it. Uh, also the honeymoon effect is a really good one, but this is going to probably piss off the Christians. But that's okay. I love Christians. I have Christian friends. Um, and, but this is going to probably make him mad. I really believe that's okay. I really believe Jesus was here to teach all of us our, our innate potential, you know, I agree. because everything that Jesus did or was documented to do as a human being, I 100% believe we all can do. I've seen right. it in my own life and I've seen it in the lives of many other people from healing so others I to, seeing the future this shouldn't, this shouldn't to, make the christians angry it well it, it, it does angry. it does it's, because they believe god you know jesus is god in physical form and he's the only begotten son of jesus and everybody else here is a sinner and jesus died on the cross for our sins so 
you know, we are not to be like Jesus. We're not to be like God. We're always sinners. We're never perfect. And we can't do what Jesus did because Jesus is God. We're not God. So that's where, right. you know, the, the belief system comes in and goes, okay, well, you're, you know, you're, you're speaking blasphemy if you say these kinds of things. But the reality mm-hmm. is I've lived it. I've healed people yeah. who personally I have healed a woman who had a stroke and was paralyzed. And within an hour of healing her, I had no idea what I was doing. Right. right. And I'm not saying it was me doing it. Certainly it was, you know, True. spirit, God, energy moving through me to, to right. heal her. But, but wasn't it the same thing for Jesus, spirit, God, energy moving through yeah, Jesus. To heal I, the lepers, it, as right? far as I, as she far was as walking in one hour, a paralyzed wow. woman with a stroke, at a, right. I was at a Buddhist temple and this Buddhist Zen master healer, I was sitting over right. in the back. You know, I was like right. 20 years old, 21 years old. And I was, and oh, I was learning about gosh. all this stuff. And he goes, you come over here. And he right. said, he said, if you were going to help her, where would you start? He saw that I, he saw inside me that I had been experimenting with healing that I, I was like, I healed my mom of right. a migraine in like five seconds once, like just right. putting my hands on her. And so he called me over and I just started, I saw blocked energy in her. I saw the red energy. And so I actually started at her feet and then I worked up and then I was by her head and then I started talking to her and she had this emotional release about her son. And literally 20 minutes later, she went from paralyzed, can't move, had a stroke to walking as a whole new person, walked in the kitchen, came and gave me a hug and said, thank you so much. It was unbelievable, but it was like, whoa, you know, it's like, I, I have this right. potential, I have this ability, I, I right. knew that was there, but this was a real experience of it that was right. life changing. And thousands of people can do this, right? Yeah. So it's not like, oh, oh you. you're a healer, and you're not. We right, all have right. the ability. I truly it's the, believe it's that. It's the intention. I think so, too. But what, what about if you're if you just say that, whatever you believe in for a God is working through you because it's from another dimension. Totally. And this other dimension is actually can, can come through each and every one of us. I think that that's why some of these bad people said, don't let anyone in the churches mm. <laughs> when two or more are gathered in my name. And I think that the concentration of people, mm. you know, praying together and you see this in, in, in some of these, um, born again Christian groups where somebody who's been paralyzed for 10 years or whatever the hell, and he suddenly gets up and he can walk when everyone is chanting and praying and, and so on for totally. him at, at this or, or whatever. And this is something that I, I believe this, this ability is within each and every one of us, not just to heal other people, but to heal ourselves. And that's, I'm reading Braden's book right now, the one on the, on the power of belief. And um, I found it amazing because I studied psychology, right? Okay. And I've had a lot of these, I've had a a few really weird channeling experiences. Okay. This isn't the first one and this isn't, you know, and I've had dreams that became real, you know, where I dreamt of, of, of something. In fact, once I dreamt of a cross uh, because I needed some help, I kept picking up the symptoms of my patient. And so I, I, I asked for help from this old monk I had met many, many years earlier. He, He died and I said, okay, look, you know, if I, if I have to suffer, it's, it's okay. I, I you know, I, I can handle it. And it's my vocation, but, but can I, do I have to suffer all night long? Right. 
And so that next night I dreamt I had this cross in my hand and I told all my patients about it and they all gave me crosses. And my daughter says, mom, you can open a religious store here. And I'm like, well, it was so real. It was so real. So two months later, I go out to the monastery where um, this monk had been. He was a, an exorcist unbeknownst to me um, when he was alive. And um, I ran into an old monk. Actually, I went out there because the psychiatrist who thinks he's a reincarnation of King Ludwig told me that he was going to go out to there and that I should come to and ask for the cross. And I said, well, look, they know you're crazy, but they're going to think I'm nuts. And so I went out with them and um, and then he left. And then I saw this old monk go to this this um, this deceased monk's grave. And, and then I confronted him and told him the story. And he goes, oh, his brother wanted something in mem memory of him. I sent him a nail file kit. And I said, well, can you look for the cross? It's about this big and about this wide. And, you know, and, and uh, he said, oh, okay, I'll look for it. And I gave him my card. And I was, he was an older monk. And so four days later, I get a box from the monastery, right? In the meanwhile, I had all these crosses in the living room and my daughter saying, you know, you could start a religious store here, mom, and all this stuff. And I, I'm the one, I'm not, I don't go to church. I pray every single day. I, I really do. You know, there's not a day that goes by that I'm not in prayer. Okay, so what happens? I open the box, 11 o'clock Thursday morning. Honestly, Nathan, I thought, I thought I was either going to pass out or start sobbing. I was absolutely in shock. And my daughter had just come home about 10 minutes or 15 minutes later from high school. She looks at the cross. She looks at me and she says, boy, mom, sometimes living with you is really weird. And I'm thinking to myself, sometimes being me is really weird. How do you explain something like this? You know, but yeah, it, my, my are... wife has told me the same thing. Now she's used to it. But the first like, you know, five, seven years we were married, she's like, what is going on with this freaking guy? You know, it's it's, it's amazing. That's an incredible story. That's an incredible story I'll that you I'll shared. Send... I'll send you a picture of it. Okay. I'll send you a picture of the cross and the, and the old monk. And I'll tell you, you know, between heaven and earth, there is, uh, you know, there's, there's really no distance. It's all there. It's instantaneous. And this is something that, you know, when, when they say you just have to believe. And I thought, you know what? I sometimes think I can almost fly, <laughs> <laughs> except I'm not going to jump off the roof with a feather. Right. right. Yeah. We got to use some, you know, it's like, we got to use a little bit of uh, logic and reasoning in, in our decision-making as well. <laughs> that's for sure. But there are certainly miraculous experiences that defy, you know, everything we think we know about, right. you know, our modern right. world. And that, Back to the belief you have a chronic disease, you know, one of the most common traits of cancer conquerors, and this is well studied, people who have reversed cancer, one of the most common traits is a belief in themselves that they can yeah. do it, um, yeah. a, a desire to live. So that's a belief. Right. It's a desire. You have a reason to live, um, a right. positive mindset. So you're, you're, right. you know, solution, what I call solution oriented mindset, you're looking for solutions um, right. and, and, and taking action with that belief. So the belief is, look, there's a reason for this. I, I'm going to overcome yep. it. I'm going to figure out the solution. I'm going to stay positive. That's the right. most studied common mindset of somebody who does heal from cancer. And I would imagine, I haven't looked at it, but I would imagine it's a very common trait among anyone who has healed any chronic disease certainly with a natural approach. Um, I would just imagine that's, that, that's a very common thing. Well, I tell my patients, you know, you're not being punished. You're being taught. Mm. 
And then once they get well, and I tell them this, you're going to get well, but you have to want to get well. And then you have a job to do. You have to help someone else get well because the buck doesn't stop here. It goes on further. And if you think that you got this disease just so that you could learn for you and heal yourself and that's it and your responsibility is over, no, 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 no. You've got a responsibility to mankind, to your, your friend or your neighbor or your, or your, your, your daughter or, or parent or whomever it is that's also in this situation and help them to realize they can get well. And I think this is something, this is where it, it's like ripples on a, on, in a pond. You drop a stone in and you have to reach all the different shores. And I said, you know what? There's nothing that upsets me more when somebody says, well, I'm cured. Mm. It's like, well, well, what, what are you going to do to help other people? You know, this is, this is not just, you, you're not the only one here. You know, there, there's an entire mankind, everybody. Yeah. And the thing is, so if, if you only help one other person, I think that that's enough to justify why you got it in the first place and how you're going to go ahead and change the world around you from what you can do and what you've learned and help to teach them. And I, I say to people, look, I'm teaching you what I know. This is taking me 45 years of my life to find out that it's beyond any nutrient. It's beyond any, any supplement. It's, it's beyond everything. It starts here and in the heart. And this is where I say to them, you know what, this is, this is your lesson to teach others so that they can learn from their lesson. It's, it's that simple. In fact, people are always reminding me about like Lot, a poor Lot, you know, God was angry with him and or God punished him and he had no reason to because he was humble. And I said, wait a minute, how do you know he was humble? Maybe he was arrogant about I am so humble. I am so humble. God wouldn't do this to me because I am so humble. And I thought, <laughs> eh, maybe there's a little bit of ego coming out here, right? And yeah, God yeah. decided, usually, if okay. You're, if you're humble, you usually don't walk around <laughs> telling everyone how humble you are. <laughs> yeah, I know. Isn't that a riot? I just, but I had to laugh. And I, and I, there was, there was one minister. She was furious with me, and um, she was saying, well, "No, that's not the case." She said, "How do you know?" I said, right. it's always good to look at something from the other side. Remember, yeah. everything in life has a mirror image. Yeah. So, you know, look at look at what what the other possibilities are. And that's that's kind of how I would say from listening to you, how your life has been and is in that we look at all of the different parameters that are involved in in being healthy. All of them. It's not just one. It's all of them. And, and the importance of realizing, I mean, I remember lying in the hospital with a broken neck, okay, 21 years of age with screws in my skull, and I could not get out of bed for six months, right? Wow. And I'm thinking, did I think, why me? Oh, my God, everyone else is going to parties, and I'm stuck in this bed that's this wide, right, with screws in my skull, keeping here with weights on the end of the bed at Mercy Hospital in Chicago. And, and nine months earlier, I'd had a breast tumor. Okay. And that was two months after my best friend was killed wow. emotion. And so all of this stuff at this young age, and then to realize when I, when I could finally leave the hospital in, in a body cast, right. I looked like the white owl lady from the old cigar ads. It was just all white and, and it was plaster. And I remember when I, when I was leaving the hospital and I, I had gone around and given roses to all of the patients because the, the chief resident had given me 30 yellow roses. So I went around every single um, room in the neurology department. And what did I see? I saw people with, with Alzheimer's disease, people with um, 
uh, paralysis, people with ALS, people with all of these different diseases and people with cancer and brain tumors and all this stuff. And I thought to myself, you know, you've been taught something here. And it wasn't, it, I didn't, I never took it or felt like I was being punished. On the contrary, I thought, well, what are they trying to teach me? I am pretty thick headed. So when I figured that, what are they trying to teach me? I thought, well, did they have to bash it into me? I guess they did. Because sometimes you just don't learn until you're absolutely standing at the abyss, ready to fall into the pit. And you think to yourself, wait a minute, but I can fly. Yeah. And there you go. And this is something that I think for me, um, all of these experiences, which you went through as, as a teenager and through, through all the trials and tribulations and, and the hard lessons, boy, this is tough love. Mm. God is not easy. And this is something that <laughs> seriously, well, when we go too, through this, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. But then you realize, so that's why that happened. Yeah. So that's why I, and then that's exactly. where we grow. And we grow with 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 whatever spirituality we we follow or believe in. Um, we grow in in love and the light of whatever it is that is our energy here on Earth. Yeah. And it's just amazing. It's just amazing. And I, I'm like, aha, okay, that's why, right? <laughs> and well, it, it's kind of a relief. Well, what I'm what I am constantly amazed at is how how profoundly wise that you are. I mean, you don't often meet a someone who's worked for the FDA, who's a published scientist and a medical doctor, psychologist and, and pharmacologist <laughs> who has such yeah. a depth of a um, just, I mean, you have so much compassion, you radiate compassion, love, wisdom, I mean, you care so deeply about helping people, and I, I love that so much about you. And and this deep spiritual reverence of just, you can tell how, how spiritually connected you are. Um, I mean, I'd love to talk with you for another two hours just about, you know, the different, different ideas from the Bible and from spirituality and from religion and and I'd love to hear more about that from you. We'd have to do a follow up at some point because I know we're, you know, we're we're already out of time. But uh, I just want to say how much I appreciate you. Uh, I always love spending time with you. Um, I always learn something from you. And and thank you for sharing so much more about kind of your own personal spiritual side and beliefs about things. I think that's so important and valuable for people to see that there are doctors like you who not only deeply care but are always you know, praying for your patients and finding as many ways as you possibly can from every realm of health and wellness and medicine that you possibly can to help your patients get better. So uh, I just want to say thank you. I appreciate it. Well, I, th I think I'm in, in awe of what you do and what you've done and how the entire, all the experiences that we as human beings go through, um, I think there's one main word that is the most important in all the work we do, and that is love. If you Absolutely. don't love mankind and if you don't love your patients, you cannot help them because it's healed and healed really through love. And I don't think we even know what love is, but it, it falls into compassion, spirituality, 
um, care, kindness, all of these things that are so positive that that we've both had the the opportunity and experience to to go through in our lives that it and you don't have to be old you don't have to be young you can even be a small child that's gone through i've seen children go through leukemia and and come out of it and and the wisdom that they have come out with it's just overwhelming and it's like you know what that this is this is an incredible world that we've been born into we've got a lot of work to do to make sure that we can keep it moving in the right direction. And I think that what you're doing, what I'm doing and what, what our patients are doing from what they're receiving from us. And it's like, you know, it goes on and on and on from there. It, it just doesn't quit. Absolutely. Um, and I want to give our listeners a chance to connect with you. Um, I know you have the nonprofit Colmed. You do incredible work through there, helping people all over the world, dealing with cancer and, and other chronic health issues. Uh, what's the best place for people to get in touch with you um, and your team and uh, connect with you just, and support, yeah, support if your they work? Just Colmed, just colmed.org, C-O-L-L-M-E-D, colmed.org. Colmed is collaborative medicine, and that I started it after after my patient who was supposed to be dead in, in three months and was, was in complete remission after 10 weeks. And I'm like, I think I better get out there and start a foundation where we can teach the natural stuff because it's reversing these diseases. And so that's that's the foundation for collaborative medicine and research. And that's that's something where, for me, this is so important that that I get more information out in videos and books and whatever the heck it is, um, just so that everybody knows what I know. Because I said, you know, I, I know I'm not going to live forever. Um, I mean, you know, maybe I will in my writings, but I want to get as much information out to help as many people so that they don't need me. I want to make myself obsolete, that they, they, don't, they don't need me. They can, they can fly without the airplane. You know what I mean? And this well, is something where... Uh, I love that. And you do... Every, I want everyone to know, I mean, you basically do everything on donation. I mean, right. You're helping your patients yeah. all the time. I mean, you're doing it through your nonprofit. It's like, you know, what we donate to your nonprofit. Um, uh, uh, often. I know we're very and, grateful. And I want, thank I want you. to encourage people thank to do you. it because, because I know how much time you put into helping people. You could be out there selling drugs and doing surgery and making tens of millions of dollars and you don't, you know, you're just here with this nonprofit, just basically donating your time helping people because of how much you care. And so I love it. And so, you know, I do encourage people if they want to support you and your work at colmed.org, you you know, please donate there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Everything that's donated to the foundation goes towards research. It doesn't go to me. In fact, people say, what, you're still driving that old polo box? Yeah. It's like, who cares? It's only materialism. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. My neighbors here have Bentleys. What are you driving? It cut, it cut out. What are you driving? I'm driving a little Volkswagen Polo. Okay. I don't know what that it's is. A little a German Volkswagen Polo. Volkswagen Polo. It's, it's the smallest Volkswagen you can get, right? Okay. <laughs> and so I, I'm, I'm driving the, the, that one. And I, I have to laugh because I'm, I'm right now I'm presently in, in London and I, I'm in Wimbledon. And I walk out into the garage and there's two Bentleys and a, and a brand new Porsche and a brand new this. And I'm like... I'd rather have my car. I feel happier <laughs> in it because, you know, it's just, it's the, the materialism is for me, you know, I once was in California driving down the road in, in my little, I had a Volkswagen Beetle at the time that was a convertible and I pulled up next to a man in a Rolls Royce and I leaned over and I said, this is so terrible. I'm sorry, God, how much did your inferiority complex cost you? <laughs> 
I thought the man was going to run me off the road. I think he was furious. You know, oh my Harry gosh. thought he was going to impress the blonde, and I'm like, oh, you know, right? Oh, it's terrible. What, what, I, a, I part, have, what it's... a thing to say in that moment. He's probably like, "What? Are you kidding me?" Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> uh, I know, I know. I should be ashamed of myself. It's it's my it's my my crazy sense of humor. I had a lady coming to visit here that I, she does consultations. And because um, she cured herself of cancer twice and she helps people with detoxing from heavy metals and things like that. And she was she was in England and she said she, she you know, was going to come come by here. And I said, well, why don't you stay overnight and then you can go on the next day. We'll, we'll meet with this other person that has energy medicine in the, in the local area here that, you know. And so while she's on her way here, I texted her <laughs> on WhatsApp. Um, can you let me know about what time you're going to be here? Um, I have to catch the boa constrictor and put him back in the cage and lock it because he likes to curl up with strangers. <laughs> I didn't know the woman was terrified of snakes. It was just a joke. She said she almost had an accident when wow. she saw this. And then about a minute later, two minutes later, I texted her and said, it's only a joke. I don't really have a snake here. There's <laughs> nothing here but me, you know, right? Maybe a moth or something, but that's it. But oh my God! And I thought to myself, that's that's my my crazy sense of humor. I have to curb it sometimes. But I mean, what is life without a good laugh? Right. Right. Exactly. And exactly. a lot of fun. Well, and we'll end on this. Um, I, uh, to me, you know, money is a it's a tool. It's a resource. Right. The more we have, the more right. we can help more people, and and certainly we can live right. more comfortably. And and I appreciate the comforts that I have now that I didn't have when I was homeless. You know, it's like I right. like a nice comfortable house. I like providing for my family. I like being yeah, able to right. go and do the things we want to do. And I like being able to donate to nonprofits like yours. And I like being able to help right. other organizations that are helping people. And so, you know, it's, it's like money's a great tool. If we use it for good, it's also a tool to be used for bad and evil. So for right. each, you know, for each person use it, you know, it can use it in your own way. And I encourage obviously everybody use it for the greater good. And uh, for people who have a lot of excess and, and you don't know what right. to do with it, send it to Dr. Dana Flavin because she'll put it to good use <laughs> and she's not buying Bentleys with it. So, <laughs> No, I'm not buying Bentleys. But, Actually, we're making a couple of new cancer therapies. That, yeah, that's um, exciting. I want to I want to talk to you more about stuff. that. We need to have you back on the podcast because I want to talk to you more about that as it develops as well. That's really exciting. Um, it is. But I know we're out of time. Thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. This was awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'll send you that picture um that i told you about the cross and um okay. the monk so that you you've got it i i swear to god it glows it's really amazing and wow. it's it's something that you know i kept saying in in latin domini non sum dignus lord lord i'm not worthy you know mm. i mean i'm 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 always i i love to tease people and sometimes it's extremely mis mischievous um, like the guy I told that I was adding water to my freeze dried frogs when I was in grad school and he saw the, the box, he saw the, the, the container that had the dried frogs that had escaped all over and dried up in the lab. And then he saw the, the box or the, the container with the water and the top on it and the frogs in it were jumping up and down. Right. And I said, Oh yeah, didn't you know we're adding water to the freeze dried frogs? I said, <laughs> yeah, they're good for a couple of months on the shelf. Right. And so this poor fellow, 
I was terrible. This poor, this was at Chicago Medical School. And this fellow went back down into the lecture hall and said, Dennis, Dennis got freeze dried frogs. They stay for three months on the ship. Well, they laughed him out of the room. I never saw the young man again. I know that he probably thought I'm, I'm going to kill her. But everybody else knew my sense of humor. And I thought to myself, you know what, what, what is life without, without yeah. the ability to smile and laugh sometimes? Yeah. So exactly. that's what we do. And God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sending you my my warmest regards and my gratitude for all that you do. Really. Keep safe. Keep your family safe. And uh, you're in my prayers, too. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care. Okay. Talk you to you too. Soon. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Nathan Crane Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and share this on social media. Then head over to NathanCrane.com for your free ebook. So when we're talking about, you know, what are these underlying causes and conditions of these chronic diseases, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, they all have very similar, if not identical causes. And that's the thing is when we get to the root cause of these diseases, we can not only prevent these diseases from ever happening, but empower our bodies to heal from them. In every one of our cells, we have tens and hundreds of thousands of chemical reactions that are happening every second that are cycling uh, back and forth. It's like sort of a, a yin and yang. And you know, for me, the soul, soul's purpose is evolution. It doesn't care about comfort, it cares about evolution. Mm. And so I think so long as we are following our soul, then we will evolve. And I think what sometimes blocks us from living our purpose, from manifesting that next level of our expression, is we have not evolved. There is also a time for letting go all the expectations and relax and just breathe and be grateful for what you have achieved.